get pucks deep, you know, play the corners hard and see if good things will happen for us. What's up, everybody? Episode 13, we are just dishing it. Excited to be back for another week of fun. Joined, as always, by our producer extraordinaire, Derek Hoskin. How we doing? My partner in crime on this podcast hosting, Mr. John Tudes Tudor. Boys, what's up? We are deep into the playoffs. A lot of exciting stuff going on. It's golf season, as everybody knows. But, Tudes, let's start with you. How's it going, buddy? Um, struggling to hold it together here. Um, you know, Penn's in uh, game six facing elimination on the island tonight. So, um, you know, puck drops in probably about 10 minutes now. So it is on mute off to the side in my office here. So if at any point you see any sudden movements from me or anything being thrown across the room, you can assume the Islanders went up early and I am not okay. But, um, you know, just excited for another good episode and uh, great guest with us this week. Derek, what's going on with you, my friend? Not much. Staying busy as always. Enjoying the uh, nice golf, you know, golf off season, and uh, it's been beautiful this in Buffalo. So really can't complain. We're we're getting we're getting into the swing of things, that's for sure. And I'm looking forward to seeing uh, some reactions out of Tudor. I, I might have to toss the game up on the side of myself as well. Yeah, there you go. Um, looking forward to that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, let's get right into it. I know we're going to have a ton to cover. We have a very special guest as usual. We're on our roll with the guests right now. Big one again tonight. We got uh, Mr. Brendan Hoffman. Of That's the two Otter, ends, folks. With two ends. Two ends oh, yeah. on Hoffman. Two ends. Can't forget it. Brandon, thanks for joining us, man. Happy to have you here. How's everything going? It's going great. I mean, everything's uh, it's golf season outside. It's getting all nice and warm here in Erie and uh, just enjoying the lake life right now. So I'm kind of in the same boat as dudes right now, though. I got the game going on in the background. So uh hope Penguins can pull it out, force it to seven tonight. That'd be good. Yeah, everybody loves the game. Yeah, seven, I, I like right? that attitude out of you. Brandon, I mean, you know, Let's, um, I mean, let's waste no time here, man. You obviously, Erie Otters forward, a lot of good, a lot of good stuff here in uh, elite prospects and everything as I was digging around. But I mean, let's jump right into it. Take us through when you, you know, leading up to, you know, with COVID and everything, how all that's gone on, no OHL season, you know, take us through that from a player's perspective, such as yours. So, uh, uh, moving through COVID, I guess, just looking at it like that, you know, uh, I, know I know a lot of guys, like even even with the season getting canceled, I think one of the worst things was uh, it would have been my second year in the league, but uh, finishing off our 2019-2020 season, which was right when COVID, you know, hit us really hard. I remember Erie had made the playoffs as an eighth seed because they'd canceled their season just the you know the whole two-week thing that they kind of put into uh you know kind of slow the spread but uh you know obviously what happened happened might not have worked the best way but uh you know we didn't end up being able to finish that season but uh we were actually going to face our rivals in round one so that was already a big hit and uh we had some guys who were overagers from that year that were great guys move on they're playing in good programs now 
and then uh, I feel like I think from my perspective, the, probably the the biggest drag when it came to COVID was just how long we had to wait for the season to be uh, kind of called. Mm-hmm. I mean, it 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 definitely was uh, it was a long process. You know, like more, uh, obviously, you know, more of the Canadian guys, uh, both of my line mates. Uh, Daniel D'Amato and Brennan Stone, they're both up in uh, Ontario and they had to deal with all the heavier lockdowns that the, uh, than the American people had at the, during the time. And, you know, seeing those guys, like they, they may be getting the gym every now and then, but it, it's difficult for them to do that, obviously, with the changing protocols. So to be able to be put through all that for so long, I think it takes a mental toll and not seeing everybody, you know, not being in the room with guys, going out to lunch with guys, spending this time with your buddies and your teammates. It, it takes it takes a high toll on a lot of guys i know so i mean just being able to be back here with all the guys right now is it's more than enough honestly just to make everyone feel at home and feel safe again in their own sort of mental bubble when it comes to hockey right yeah for sure man i what did you know from your perspective too how did how did you get through how did you pass the time you know try to stay on top of your game and shape productive what what sort of tricks did you use to kind of stay with things um I got lucky because uh, I was I was south of the border during mo- during pretty much all of COVID, and I got lucky that uh, Erie Erie was a good option for me in terms of um, training and you know ice time. Same with when I was back in Charlotte, my uh, hometown, they were able to offer me you know like good amounts of ice when obviously the restrictions and mandates allowed us. And you know whether that's more than the Canadian guys got at the time, you know not not entirely sure, but you know I'm I'm grateful that I was. Be- being able to be given that opportunity to at least train during the difficult times that COVID brought. But uh, looking looking at it through a mental aspect, I thought it was more like, you know, every guy kind of hoped we were going to have a season, whether they were more optimistic or less optimistic about it. We had a lot of guys saying it's starting in September. We had rumors saying it's going November, rumors saying it's going January. And you get all these guys getting uh, sucked into the rumors and they kind of get in their own head about, you know, is this going to happen? What do I need to do? How do I need to get ready for it if it happens now versus later? And I think for myself, I just kind of focused on every practice and every workout is kind of like a, a mini game in its own right. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you're, you know, you're missing a lot of elements like fans, all the stuff that a game would have. But, you know, you look at a workout as your practice, you know, make sure you get what you want out of it. Work your, work, work your tail off when you can. And, you know, when you get to the on ice, it's, you know, it's game time, right? Yeah. Take people on like you would in a game. So... That was my mentality getting through it. And I, I tried not to focus too much on the rumors. I tried not to let myself get sucked into it too much. Admittedly, at some points I did. And it was uh, <laughs> sure. more, more, more and more you do, the more heated you get. And that's, that's not the mentality you want to have in the, uh, in the state that a lot of guys are in right now in terms of sports. Yeah, yeah Brendan, I just wanted to kind of get into, too, what's – What's your day-to-day looking like now? I know you said some of the guys are back. You know, you guys are able to be together a little bit more. Um, obviously, no games going on right now, but what's what's the day-to-day for the Uri Otters looking like right now? Um, well, actually, as, as of today, I guess I can give you guys a pretty good rundown. So, uh, around, so we got some guys from Canada down here that are, uh, you know, they're staying around town and they obviously got uh, COVID tested and they tested negative and they got over the border safely um, with uh, passes or visas or however they did. And they come down here and we're getting ice because a lot of the mandates in the area are very uh, re- relaxed as opposed to other parts of the country. So I, I think we're actually 
around the end of this month, I think we might be going maskless for people with vaccine, with double vaccines. And we're almost at like we're almost we're almost at 65 or 60 percent uh, vaccinated in the state of PA. If I'm not wrong, not quite sure about that number, but I know it's close. But uh, we have guys down here, and for example, uh, I I know me and uh, me and my goalie Aiden Campbell, who's staying with me in my house right now. We would uh, we would wake up like what seven o'clock, go to the gym around seven thirty, uh, work out from about seven forty five to about nine fifteen ish. You know. 9 15 and 9 30 you go grab a quick fight to eat maybe a bagel from timmy's and then 10 30 to 12 i'm hitting the ice with myself uh nine of my teammates and you know uh i'd say about 10 to 11 guys out of town coming here to skate all from ohl a couple from you know american leagues and stuff like that but you know like these are guys you you know about and know personally so you know you get to be closer with these guys uh i met uh, I met Logan Mayu and uh, Bryce Montgomery, who are two big names going to the draft this year at the skate today, and uh, they're both great guys. And I mean, they definitely worked worked hard, and they they earned the right to be able to be at this thing and you know perform in front of scouts. So it's it's good to know that they're uh, better people behind the they're good they're good people behind the uh, you know the persona of the hockey players that they already are. Yeah, for sure, man. I want to jump back though, real quick, before we keep going here, you know. Growing up, you grew up in Charlotte, correct? Yep. Yeah. So take us through that, because funny enough, um, I almost moved there as a kid, and that was a big thing that I was concerned about, um, you know, what the hockey looked like down there and everything. Take take us through kind of, you know, growing up, some of your stories early on growing up there, not a traditional, you know, hockey hub, if you will, in some respects, but, you know, walk us through that a little bit, some of your early highs and lows some of your inspirations in the game what got you going into all that um well i didn't really had a i didn't really have a traditional upbringing when it came to hockey per se i i uh i was home i was homeschooled through the majority of my uh childhood up until about the sixth seventh grade simply because my family was moving around doing sports for all the kids all the time and uh my mother preferred to just teach the kids at home me and my siblings were also homeschooled as well um the first time I actually came into contact with hockey in my life, I was going to a, it was a school skate. I don't know how the, I don't know how we got other kids considering I was homeschooled. I don't know how we got other kids to go there, but uh, we went there and I went to a rink called the extreme ice center at the time. It wasn't even, I don't even think it was open for more than two years at that point. And they have this little private rink uh, on the side. Uh, you walk in, there's the two big rinks to the side. And then you look in like kind of the back corner area, there's a tiny rink called the puddle. And there was a retired NHLer out there giving private lessons to, I believe, a player who is actually going to end up going to the NCAA that next year. I forget his name, but the uh, the hockey player was actually Bob Halkidis. And he kind of, you know, like I, I you know, kind of took a glance that way, saw a bunch of guys, you know, playing a sport that I kind of got interested in. And figured I'd, you know, ask my mom if I could take skating lessons and then see if I could play hockey. And uh, I actually, I actually skated the first month uh, in my private lessons with a stick that was the wrong hand. <laughs> so, and that, and that, and that was weird because um, I don't even, I don't even quite remember why, but I remember I used a left-handed stick for at least two to three weeks in my first lesson. And then the Bob obviously switched me to a righty because he kind of had a feeling I wasn't comfortable, but 
after that, I kind of, you know, grew up, I was playing, I was playing up a couple of years. Uh, I kind of just found my niche in terms of, you know, the sports that I wanted to play. I play like lacrosse, you know, uh, growing up as well. So that obviously kind of connects pretty well with hockey. Um, they also have, they actually, they had a couple teams running out. They had the Charlotte checkers around that time, but they were ECHL instead of AHL. Now they are because the AHL team at that time was the river rats. I think that was running out of, uh, I forget which, forget what it was in New York. It was in New York city, but it was like a city Albany. in the state of New York. Albany. Yeah, Alb- yeah. Albany river rats. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Cause I remember, I remember we had an yep. ECHL team. There's, there was two guys. There was a guy named Justy, uh, Dusty Jameson and someone else. And the one guy I ended up finding out actually kind of recently was like a really good skater and he got drafted from the O into the NHL. I remember mentioning the OHL to Bob, how uh, he when he was talking about me because he thought I could maybe make it up there, but that was way in advance. Mm-hmm. But um, I ended up playing for the Atlanta Fire uh, for a couple years. I went to Pee Wee Quebec. I uh, had a great experience there when I built it with an amazing family that took really good care of me. Um, after Pee Wee Quebec, I attracted interest from a coach in Toronto in the GTHL. And my dad kind of sat me down when I was 13 and said, you're going to take it seriously you got to make a big boy decision like if we're going to have you go up there and play hockey in this big league in toronto the hub of hockey you're going to have to take it seriously you're going to listen to your mom no you're not going to talk back you're going to do what you need to do i kind of looked at him i was like yeah i'm down and i mean i haven't regretted it since no way in hell and i mean i went up there i got uh drafted by erie in the seventh round in 2017 and uh it was definitely a weird upbringing because i mean I, i never imagined i would end up going from North Carolina to Atlanta, Georgia, to uh, Quebec City, and then somehow ending up in Toronto playing in GTHL. And the even weirder part about it was that my teammate, one of my good friends on my minor midget team, U16, his dad was childhood best friends with Bob Halkidis, who taught me how to play hockey. Oh, wow. And it was kind of just like <laughs> small world kind of scenario. Right. And I'm just sitting there like, like wow. But yeah. that was kind of, that's a yeah, kind of summary of how I kind of ended up where I am today. So you ended up leaving home at 13, 14 years old, going all the way up to Toronto in another country, leaving, leaving the family and just kind of going all in on hockey. That's pretty incredible. Well, man, uh, my mom went with me for the most part. She was there with me a lot of the time. Um, I mean, re- really, really, she she did a lot of work. Parents do an amazing amount of work for their kids in sports. And, you know, my mom is a saintly woman for being able to put up with me at that age. And <laughs> all, the, all, all, the, all the drama that comes with it, you know. Like, yeah. 13, 13 to 14 year old hockey boy in an all boys school in downtown Toronto. I went to St. Mike's too. So that's a, I was another whole half the, half the stories, but that, that school has done wonders for me. And my mom did uh, such an amazing job taking care of me and, you know, being able to be there for me and my dad, when he could visit, you know, he was, he was amazing. He was very supportive and he worked very hard so I could get myself to where I am today. I'm very grateful for what they've done. I mean, yeah, you, you can't thank them enough. Right. So yeah, uh, I mean, it means the world to me. So oh, that's awesome, man. So I, I want to ask too, you know, seeing the elite prospects here, they got you listed at six foot three, 212 pounds. I mean, wow, dude, throwing the body around a little bit. Like, you know, were you always kind of a bigger kid? Like, did you hit a growth spurt? You know, what? <laughs> take us through that. That's impressive, dude. 
I think that that measurement might have been taken, I think, a year and a half ago. So I think I grew a little bit more. I'm around 6'4", now, about like 225-ish, 230-ish. So I, I put on a little bit of weight in COVID. Not sure if it's the best kind of weight, you know. I mean, DoorDash, isn't been, DoorDash ain't been helping, but right. um, <laughs> but you get uh, what, what was it called? I was I remember I remember looking down at the sheet that I had. I was actually I had a weird amount of belly fat when I was a younger kid for some reason. I remember because I remember I was there was a gym I went through athlete zone. They kind of take down your height and weight. And then they did it for like 13 and 12 year olds, right? First time I got to Toronto, I was five foot four or five foot three at about 125 pounds. And I remember my, I remember my trainer was like, you know, you got to get strong, got to get a good base, good hips. So, you know, you can battle, battle it out when you're maybe not as tall as anyone else. Uh, I came back that summer. I played lacrosse, and I don't. I, my calves were burning every day, and I think it was a growth spurt. It's crazy. I went from five four ish to about five nine in a summer, wow. and then that was my first. That was my first year in the GTHL. So then, because I went up the February, so I couldn't play in the GTHL. I finished my school year, mm-hmm. and then I went back the summer, and I came back a little taller. So my coach was happy to see I got taller. And then after my first year in the G, I went from about five. I didn't gain any weight, though, which was weird. Because I went, I, I only gained about 10 pounds, and I went up about five inches, six inches in height. So doctors were worried I was going to get, like, you know, I was going to be skinny. I was going to, like, maybe get thrown around, break a bone and stuff like that. I, I did look pretty. Looking back, you get those, like, photo memories in your camera roll sometimes. Oh, dear yeah. God. I had buck teeth. I had a huge gap, braces. <laughs> I, I, had, I had the buzzed hair that they give you. And I, uh, I looked like an experiment child. It, 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 was, it, was, it was a rough time for me. But uh, I, I'm glad I, I whittled that one out. And, you know, my mom stuck with me through all the uh, questionable haircuts that I decided to get. And um, the, uh, the, uh, it turned out pretty well because the, the summer before my draft year to the OHL, I actually went from about five, and this was weird too, because I remember I never, I barely even noticed I grew this summer, but I went from about five, nine to about six, two, and I went from about 138 pounds, yeah, 38 pounds to 189. Jesus. So it was, it was a really weird summer because I remember I got set up with a strength coach. And I never really, I, I ate pretty healthy, but I was the kind of kid that uh, if I was given the choice between like uh, chicken, broccoli, and rice, and a peanut butter sandwich with a big glass of milk, I would 100% take a glass of milk and, oh, any day of the week. So I, I was eating like kind of unhealthy, but not really unhealthy for a kid. But, yeah. you know, the guy, he, he set me straight for a summer and it, it paid off really well. And uh, it's been, you know, I, I was kind of the first big step of taking nutrition seriously. So. No, obviously, ever since I got to the O, you know, being around guys who are bigger and older, you know, guys who are making it pro, that's, uh, well, Penguins just ripped. Jeff Carter, five hole. That's a big one. Yeah. What a weapon. Yeah. What a weapon. I know. We talked about that trade deal, dear Lord. Oh, my God. Absolutely fleeced. Yeah. Came, came back from the grave to start coming in clutch for Pittsburgh. I love it. But, Man, yeah, it's, it's uh, I got lucky because I, I had a lot of good role models in my first year in the OHL, and they kind of taught me how to you know, take myself, you know, hold myself accountable for my own body and the way I eat. And it's paid off pretty well. So I like to think it has at least. Now, is that, is that a program that the team sets up for you guys with nutrition, nutritionists, or is that something that is individual athletes, you guys all just hold yourselves accountable with? Um, it's kind of something 
it's not necessarily something you do, um, I, at least from my perspective, it wasn't something that we had as a team. I mean, obviously they set you up with the weight rack, you know, what you do day in, day out. And I mean, if you're, if you're, if you're slugging back pizzas and wings, they're going to notice in the gym and they're not going to, you know, they're going to say something about it. But, uh, I think a lot of it came from, you know, when you go in the, Oh, we got a, and this is kind of one of the underrated things. I think a lot of guys don't really value. And I definitely didn't value in terms of when I started to try and take care of my own body in terms of a uh, nutritional standpoint, guys really do kind of learn how to cook. Like if you can learn how to just cook, like even a basic thing, like rice, chicken, and, you know, steam some broccoli up, put that in a Tupperware, save it for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Healthiest, healthiest thing you can do for yourself. Right. And you know, a lot of guys, sometimes they'll, you know, they won't maybe pack something or maybe they won't bring something from home. They go to Chipotle, grab, you know, chicken rice. It's an easy out option. Right. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it was, it, it was something that more the players controlled as opposed to the, um, the uh, staff or anybody like that. Yeah, that's awesome, dude. I, you know, what, what's your, uh, you, you cooking much then? Or is that what you're hitting at? What, you got a couple of dishes you, you whip up? Oh, I, I'm a pasta freak. I, I need to stay away from that stuff. I mean, pasta, I love, you, can, you can really cook anything with pasta. Um, yeah. Oh, I, I love just like the easiest pastas, chicken, rice, uh, steak. I mean, I'm definitely more of a cook. I can't bake. Baking's impossible to me. I'll yeah. never be able. To, I'll never be able to bake like a cake or brown. Uh, I, I don't know why, but it's just so different. I'm looking for good things for the nutrition, though. Yeah, I'm, oh, I'm yeah. Lean, That's a good thing. Got to stay away from the cooking. You can't, you can't afford what's, it. What's the pregame meal looking like for you? Same thing every game. Is that a a routine at this point, or do you mix it up? Uh, before games, this has kind of been my go-to. I like to have. Um, I go to the I go to this breakfast place. And I get like a I get a pretty big meal. I kind of just try kind of try to load on the calories for that. So I get like eggs, you know, bacon, lots of hash browns, white toast. I see if I can get like a pancake or two just to get on the calories early in the morning. Um, after I take the nap and you know get my pregame in and start listening to music, I I get uh, I always have a bowl of pasta and pesto. And I typically try to keep, I try to like get the ingredients that kind of like, you know, reduce fat and reduce uh, unnecessary, like sh- like any sort of uh, unsaturated fats or anything. I try to get like healthier versions of like uh, like cheeses or something like that. Or like I do substitutes sometimes, but mm-hmm. it typically levitates between pasta and pesto and like a chicken and rice and, you know, like quinoa, something like that. Just something quick I can kind of whip up before I, uh, before I uh, have to, you know, head to the rink and uh, get ready for the game. Nice. I think that's the second pesto pregame meal we've had on the show. Josh Kessner yeah. is another one of those. Um, but yeah, what kind of what kind of tunes you jamming to get pumped up for the game? How do you go about that? Well, for a little bit now, I've actually been on Ox for the team. So <laughs> okay, yeah, you gotta. I don't necessarily, I get some of my own tunes, right? Like you got to mix in a couple that just get you going. Yeah. yeah. Most guys I'd say on my team, you, it's, it's a pretty easy mix between off days. You can kind of go towards country or, or something like lighter, uh, you know, like easy pop for game days. We typically kind of stick to EDM or, you know, like hip hop rap. And then they will throw the occasional like mid two thousands alternative rock, like Green Day. Oh yeah, I've, yeah. Uh, I've never seen. No, I played Hall. I was in Owen Sound. I'll never forget this. I was in Owen Sound 
and I was we were in a sewer circle playing keep up, and I remember I I, I threw it on. I threw on Holiday, uh, Green Day, just out, out of out of just complete randomness. I was like, you know what? I haven't listened to this song in a while. I didn't really know how the guys would react. That was my first time playing alternative rock. It was my end of my first year, beginning of my second year, one or two. And I remember I turned it on, and oh, everyone was buzzing through warm up. It was amazing. <laughs> uh, they they started singing. Everyone was like head bopping and stuff. Oh yeah. That crazy, opening riff, right? man, just bam, 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 bam. Oh, buddy. Oh, my lord. Get yeah. me fired up. And then, now, oh, they, they, uh, oh, what's the other song? Now? I think that, uh, it's not American Idiot. It's another Green Day song, but I can't think of it off the top of my head right now. But yeah, like uh, alternative rock, like, you know, your typical like hockey game pump up rock. You get, uh, you get EDM in there. Guys love the big booty mix. Uh, 100%. <laughs> oh, yeah. Shout out to Fred. <laughs> Those guys are gems. Yeah. Shout out to friends. Oh, Islanders just scored. That's all good. Tell me about it. Anyways. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, yeah, two friends. They've been uh, they've been coming in clutch. When 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 I'm feeling dry and rusty on the ox, those guys are an easy get out. You know, get out of jail free card. Yeah, for sure. So, always no, rely on them. That's gnarly, man. Yeah, so, I yeah. wanna go ahead, Tudor. My bad. Well, I, I kind of want to just keep it keep it going toward toward puck drop here so we've got our pregame meal down we've got you know on the ox in the locker room do you have any of those pregame rituals i know benny loves to ask this question but any anything you're superstitious about before before a game that you've got to do in the locker room before you touch the ice if i'm gonna have a good game well uh, i always have to be the one carrying the speaker okay i, I, I do not like letting anyone else hold the speaker rarely do i unless on the audication someone else is on ox which not usually are i would let them carry it but usually if i'm on ox i have to carry the speaker because some guys are like you know older guys will be like oh rookie you'll carry the speaker for me right i i always found when i didn't carry the speaker and i was on music i became lazy I don't know what it, I don't know why, but I've noticed those games, they just felt bad. Whenever I carry the speaker, it's like a little like pregame pump in my right arm. I feel like juiced afterward just because, you know, I'm carrying around a big speaker, get the forearms buzzing in front of a couple of people. And nice. it, it feels, it feels good, but I mean, that and, um, oh, I, I, uh, I, I don't even realize I do this, but I time all the time. Whenever I drink something, I have to drink it at a specific time. Every time. Well, like, and then, cause we have the, uh, we have the clock in our locker room, right? The big uh, bar in front of us. Mm-hmm. And I have, in this specific order, I have a double espresso shot with uh, extra cream and uh, milk, whipped milk from my house. And I go to the rink and I drink it in my car and I leave the cup in my car. And I come out. Every single time I get to the rink, I take two pieces of bubble gum from the equipment manager's office and I put them in the top little deck of my stall. And I have to make sure that I get two shaker bottles of liquid inside of me. The first one will be biosteel. The second, the second one will be water. And after I'm done with the second one, before I go on the ice, I get half a cup of coffee. And this is like after, um, after the on-ice warm-up, I'll always get a half cup of coffee black and i'll have to i chug it in my stall the second it comes out of, uh, as soon as it's you know obviously cold enough to drink mm-hmm. but i always have to have it uh just really good to get my legs going i try to stay away from pre-workout sometimes other things like that that get guys jazzed up uh occasionally i'll do smelling salts but that's not really specific but i always have 
yeah, it, it counts down from I believe fifty or sixty or something the, the clock before our uh, pregame warm up. And at thirty five, I always have the bio steel. And then when I get back in at around uh, twenty four, I usually have just a uh, shaker bottle of water. And then when I get on, when I get back in the room, the I'll put my helmet and my gloves down in my stall, and I'll put my stick in the corner near my or in the in the uh, stick stall, and I'll just go straight to the coffee machine. But other than that, I don't think I have anything really that specific. No, hey man, that's good stuff right there. That's what we want out of that question. Got it down to a T. That's beautiful, dude. Whatever yeah. works, right? Whatever. You know, get get you in that right mental space. That's what it's about. Um, yeah, man. Totally, totally appreciate that. I think time now we want to dive into obviously the uh, give you the floor to to talk about the the big event that you're you had a hand in putting together. Uh, I know your buddy Andrew there. You want to talk about him too? Uh, you know, give us the lowdown. You know, you start to finish. Really, I mean, how the idea started. Um, obviously go through all that you know just you know as much detail as you want let let people know what's going on because i think it's 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 absolutely fantastic what you guys thought of and what you're going to be doing yeah i mean i i, I never uh when i when i hopped on this i never thought it would it was more of an idea realistically and i never thought it really come to especially come to fruition in the way that it has but um when we have Around early April was the time that they had given us the funding for the OHL scholarship program. So it gave money for all the guys to take into their college courses. And uh, that was kind of like, some guys kind of took that as the end of the season because they were like, oh, they're gonna, they're giving us our money. They're, you know, they're just basically making sure we get our education out of it and they're not gonna, you know, worry about us having a season. Um, and then right around the beginning of April, there was a rumor that the season had already been canceled, but they were just waiting on a you know official announcement. And uh, Andrew had reached out to multiple players around the league on each team. Um, there, I, I forget who we reached out to specifically on our team, but um, what ended up happening was I kind of heard about it through uh, through the teammate and. It, he had the idea that he was going to start uh, at the time. I think he was thinking of a tournament or a um, a team for a tournament or like a whole league for, you know, like a, a COVID, you know, OHL players who were affected by COVID. And, you know, obviously at the time, this looks like a great idea, but, you know, it's, he, he, he did a lot of work in spearheading it. And I think in the early stages, it took a lot more out of him than it took out of anyone else when it came to, you know, a lot of people will look at the idea, especially when it's small, it was only Andy or maybe Andy and both the Ryans working on it, then maybe they're really skeptical about it and they won't give them the time of day. So early on, it was definitely really difficult to get it kind of started out. Uh, he did a great job. Uh, him and his mom have done a lot of work and, you know, obviously the entire group has done a lot of work, but uh, definitely spearheading and starting the idea was huge. But obviously the uh, announcement came April 14th that the uh, season was canceled. Um, and I didn't, I knew it was going to happen the second we got that notification. And there was a, a tweet by Darren Drieger that had basically described that the OHL season was expected to be canceled this morning. And um, our GM gets us into a call on Zoom and they talk about it. 
you know, obviously it's a tough moment. Like we have a guy on our team who's big leadership role. It's 2000. He's been here since the championship team, uh, Otters. So different and strong, those guys. And he was a rookie around that year. He's basically being told from his house at Kingston, in, uh, in Kingston, like he's being told his career's in the O, like his, his last year won't happen. Um, and you get that for all. The, and you get that for all the other two thousands. We had a, we had a large amount of two thousands on our team, some of which had already moved on to other programs, uh, anticipating that they might not come back. And you know, it, it, it sucks because you, you know you you won't know how it feels. You, you just kind of see it, and you see their face, and it's just utter dejection because there's literally nothing they could have done about it. And yeah. Especially after, you know, the months of isolation, the anticipation, you know, you're sitting there waiting on one tweet to say your season's starting or one notification or one message or email from your GM that says the season's going to happen. You got a shot. It it puts a nervousness and stress on all those guys. It, it's just, it's horrible, especially at an age like that. And, you know, at a point of that in your career where you're kind of like on your, on your last, on your last year in the uh, major junior leagues. Um, and, you know, some of those guys are chasing uh, AHL contracts or NHL contracts or looking to get signed maybe in Europe, mm-hmm. something like that. And, you know, they lose that opportunity, right? And it, especially to see them so, like, helpless in that center. It, I, I can't even say I was the only one. Like, there's so many guys on my team who just felt not, not necessarily outraged, but just, just uh, at a loss for words. Yeah. Especially when these are guys I've known for, like, three years and four years and they're they're getting told this news and it just sucks right because it takes it takes the heart out of them but uh after that phone call i was actually in the gym and i was i was a little bit upset to say the least but um i was there with um the i was there with some people who had some connections in the area at the time and i was working out it was the rink manager of the erie bank sports park where we're holding the event his name's brian ram he's a owner and GM of the uh, local uh, USPHL team around that area. And uh, yeah, the uh, Erie, uh, Erie Lake uh, Bighorns, or Lake Erie Bighorns, sorry. And the uh, the owner of the rink and owner of the gym upstairs, a man named Brian Lilly, who's helped us out tremendously. Um, they both kind of, you know, they've been stout supporters of the Erie Otters and they kind of looked at me and were like, listen, like, even if, even if it's like, even if we're sticking our necks out, we want to help you. And I was a bit fired up that morning, to be honest. <laughs> so I'm, I'm looking at it and I'm like, you know, I'm putting the proverbial cape on, right? And I just try to like do some sort of hero move and like, you know, oh, we're going to, I got to tweet at someone. I feel angry. Like, oh, we're going to start our own tournament. But, you know, it's not that, right? You get a bunch of guys around you who do way more than, you know, just you and just the things that you do. So I reached out to Andrew because I had his number through through uh, some people. I told him, actually, no, I reached out to him on Instagram and I told him that um, I wanted to help in any way I could. And there's a couple people in the area that might help us, you know, get some prices, get some things in terms of tournaments and scheduling and nice times and officials. Like I said, hey, I can, I can help out if you guys are considering us as a spot. And, I know we got a lot of donors, you know, we got connections in here through, you know, uh, family, family relations in the area and, you know, teams, obviously we're, we're pretty, we're decently popular around the city of Erie. So, I mean, a lot of people kind of get us this, uh, Oh, Penguin scored again. 
For, is that Malkin? Oh, it's Carter again? Oh, no, it's Gensel. Gensel. That was Carter again, just give him a C. But anyway, so, <laughs> um, the, uh, yeah, uh, it was, I was kind of just saying, you know, I, was, I said I'd be willing to help no matter what. And at the time, I think we were selecting between Cleveland, um, a place in Michigan, a school in Michigan, Orchard Lake, and I had then presented Erie. And we, we were kind of at the deciding stage, but after a point, uh, after we got pricing and, you know, like hotel and all that stuff kind of figured out, we ended up going to Erie. And, you know, a Andrew did a lot of work in already getting the basis of the tournament laid out and how he wanted it to go and how he wanted it to work. And his, him and his mom did a, an incredible amount of work and their agent and Ryan Beck and Ryan Humphrey and their parents and their agents did a lot of work. Um, I just kind of hopped in at the right place at the right time. And... I got them connected with some of the people in Erie and we were able to kind of form a pretty consistent schedule and a pretty consistent uh, layout of the tournament that kind of allowed us to, you know, look more positively at this being an actual event as opposed to just an idea. Yeah. Um, I, I think we, at that point, uh, we had decided upon Erie early May, I think, or late April or early May around that range. And then, you know, sponsorships and you know players start i started we actually had to start reaching out to players and this is kind of something that people kind of didn't really know to know about but is something that we kind of had to battle through and andrew definitely had to battle through it more than i did was actually getting players to sign up in the first place because you get a, you get a lot of people who look at the event and they're like especially canadian guys right they're going you know they're going through the through the like the event details and they hear it as a rumor right because it wasn't public so they hear it as a rumor for their agents and you know rumors can rumors can start any sort of stuff that you don't want to you don't want people to hear about so a lot of people were kind of wary about coming over there's a quarantine issue of going back and things like that so we we initially had trouble reaching out to people and getting them to come over obviously we had some success with some guys who were really you know they were willing to come over or take quarantine you know doing doing whatever they can to just play on the ice right Mm -hmm. uh, that worked out really well for us. Uh, we got a good basis of guys who were coming here initially. And I think it kind of progressed where we kept getting more and more players. And, you know, we started figuring out jerseys, medical insurance, reps, timekeepers. You know, a lot of the guys around me helped me with that. Um, we had a lot, of the, a lot of the people in the area, you know, originally part of PVHH, you know, the legal, the legal group that we have and the uh, representatives we have in that group. They did a lot of amazing work and, you know, they're, they're, they're definitely the people who should be getting all the uh, praise in terms of getting this to uh, happen. Um, after all the legal stuff and jerseys and the socks, we had uh, sponsorship offers. We had, you know, Instat. I don't know if you guys know, do you guys know what Instat is? It's the, uh, the video video uh, it's the video um technology that most teams in uhl and some pro teams use they track everything i watched a video and a presentation on these guys when they came to erie um oh my god these guys track everything they they stop a game maybe every second to analyze a statistic like a missed pass a pass that was on target but was fumbled right and they have wow. hundreds of thousands of categories to you know, categorize stats in and order them by time, player, area of the ice, team, like everything. It's 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 absolutely insane. The work they do is amazing. 
and they worked and they reached out to us uh looking to help us out you know help us with the video and all that stuff so those guys those guys do deserve a lot of credit and they, they've helped us a lot in terms of the uh, video aspect and attracting a lot of people to this event it slowly started gaining more and more traction i i had i had a couple people oh, Islanders just ripped dang it paul mary oh my word how does he have a five o'clock shadow after shaving in the morning it's amazing <laughs> yeah but the jersey the, boy uh, italian boy he's got it lamorello can never get him to shave that thing but all right um no credit but he um yeah so it started gaining more and more traction and we had uh i think we had around 60 70 players around the beginning to mid area of may and we knew we had to get a lot more players because our original plan was eight teams, um, nine game, eight to nine games per team with a prospect game at the end for first-year draft eligibles and younger guys that scouts wanted to see. And that was pretty much the idea until the point that we kind of realized that by bringing in eight teams, uh, a lot of things kind of changed with the way scouts wanted things oriented. Scouts reached out to us a lot, and they you know, kind of – identified things that they wanted to see and they identified the things that they wanted to change or maybe they thought would be more appropriate for an event such as this. Mm-hmm. And we, uh, we got, we definitely have been helped out a lot by them and their, uh, their editing and all that stuff. And we ended up going down to six teams and leaving two teams at the end to be a prospect showcase. We ended up going down to about our original goal was like 160 odd players. And we ended up only, we ended up going down. We had to cut a good amount of guys to actually get to the limit, but we got to 110 ish range around in total. Uh, those where we're at right now. And, uh, obviously it's worked out pretty well. I mean, all the, all the teams are pretty much set at this point, but at the time we had to change around a lot of scheduling so we can accommodate a lot of the NHL scouts coming in because, um, you know, it's a lot of it's a lot of traveling to do, especially at that time, because you had the U18 Worlds and you had the uh, the you had a lot of stuff going on with the border at that time. Because Canada was just gone into that huge lockdown, mm-hmm. and we didn't know how long that was going to last. So it, it it was a difficult situation, but I think we planned it out really well. You know, we we talked to board we talked to the border uh, patrol services and immigration services to understand what we had to do to safely get players to the border and the tournament. Uh, we talked a lot for legal reasons and all that to figure all that stuff out. And once that was all set, we kind of just started focusing on getting the players signed up and coming. And right now the, uh, in terms of, uh, the sign up aspect of it, we have what it's, uh, they, they, they it's nonprofit. The entire tournament's nonprofit. I should have said that at the beginning, but entire tournament's nonprofit. Everything that isn't going to the tournament itself in terms of fees or, you know, payments is going to go strictly to donations, charitable services. Um, right now we're kind of figuring out where we want to donate all of that in terms of, and if we get anything extra and the money that we have, that will be extra. But, uh, that was kind of the big point that, uh, uh, Andrew and I and Ryan and Ryan kind of made, um, before this all happened, like we don't want anything. If you, if you, if you make profit off this, it ruins, I think and, and Andrew said this before, but if you make a profit off this, it isn't anything different than what people have been trying to do to these guys for so long, which is take their money in a situation where they feel, where they feel vulnerable, where they feel like they don't have anyone having their back through COVID and things like that. Yeah. And I mean, it played out pretty well too, because we had, uh, it was, 
it was uh the registration includes hotels basically everything you do on the ice including your hotel room all medical and legal information insurances and all that liability waivers uh extra equipment if needed and all the all the other things that you'd need to play hockey so i mean everything financially is pretty much set and stable and i think from this point on we're kind of just waiting for the tournament to happen so it's been crazy but uh yeah, I mean, honestly, it's, uh, if you asked me back in mid-April if I thought this would get to this point, I'd think you were joking. Seriously, it's it, it's incredible. Oh, and that's awesome to hear. You know, you guys from different teams, different organizations really coming together and making the best out of a really shitty situation. And, you know, seeing that it's got all the way to this point, you guys have dates set, like the tournament's happening. That, that's super exciting. And it's going to be – a huge thing for a lot of guys who like you touched on earlier that, you know, that maybe they were aging out, you know, this past season that got canceled, you know, even some younger guys who were looking to showcase their stuff too in front of scouts where, you know, they just didn't get the chance to this year. It's a fantastic idea. It's awesome to see big ups to you guys for getting it together. You know, Andrew, like you mentioned, everybody else, taking the time and effort to do that. That's amazing, man. But congrats on it. Thank you. Yeah. What, what, um, what would you say you're looking forward to the most for yourself out of this tournament, as far as you as a player? Uh, definitely just all, all, all summer, all summer. Well, not most, yeah, all summer. And then obviously the winter and the early spring we had, just specifically to training just the speed and you know the skill stuff that i've been working on you know being able to kind of combine you know being taller see if i can get faster seeing if my hands can get quicker uh that's what i kind of look forward to from a playing perspective uh personally what i look forward to a lot is uh even just the fans because we we will be lifting I think we already have, but we will be lifting a lot of the capacity limits on uh, indoor sporting events come mm-hmm. the 31st, which is the day before the tournament uh, tournament's first game is played. And the uh, it allows for us to have fans. So knowing how crazy Erie fans are and how much they love us and love hockey, you know, not not being able to have that for a year. Yeah, I'm hope I'm hoping they they go wild when we start this thing. And I mean, even even if it's hundred, two hundred people going crazy in a practice rink, I it oh, would yeah. be it would be so good. Very even just well. to see the kids. Yeah, yeah. So um, one last thing before I bounce it over to Tudor real quick though, you mentioned the teams. How did how did you go guys go about breaking up the teams, picking those? Was there some kind of draft? Did you just randomly pick? Did you throw sticks in the middle? Like, what'd you guys do? So, um, way early on, we wanted to see if we could do it by division. Okay. So, kind of like division, we just do two teams out of a division and mix up the uh, teams based on, you know, like who you played for, see if you can stick with your teammates, et cetera, et cetera. Um, when we had when we had gotten to the point where we realized we were going to, you know, get some really good players to this event, we're going to get a lot of scouts, and it's going to be a bigger thing than we initially realized. We uh, we began thinking about working the. Um, we, we, we began to think about you know evening out the teams from a statistic and age standpoint. You know, just kind of knowing how certain players play and how how good players are across the league, and 
being able to divvy them up based on, you know, like what we think would be an even lineup and trying to keep guys with their teammates so they are comfortable and they're not playing, you know, with people they don't know. But, um, yeah, it was kind of a, it was a mix of keeping it fair skill wise, you know, keeping guys who were driving here together, or traveling here together on the same schedule so they can kind of, you know, cooperate their, uh, their times, their time slots a bit better. So you're not having one roommate have to go to a game at 1230 and another roommate who doesn't have a ride anymore going to a game at 430. Right. Yeah. So that, that was another fact that went into it, but, uh, yeah, Andrew did a lot of work on that end. So he, he deserves a lot of credit from that aspect. And Brendan, kind of throwing it back to to Erie a little bit here. Um, I mean, you talked about the fans, how much they support the Otters, and kind of everything that you guys do. What's it like playing in Erie? I mean, not not like a pro sports town, right? So, are you guys kind of the are you guys kind of the big dogs in town that everyone tries to come out to see? Or, um. I mean, we had we had a couple of uh, years where our rosters were a bit younger, so you could argue we did. We weren't really, you know, winning. We weren't really, you know, going crazy on the uh, stat sheet, and this uh, leaderboard, and all that stuff. But uh, you know, when we had a lot of fans come out, you know, we got a lot of eerie faithful people who who will come out consistently. You know, and you know, loudest fans in the league. Honestly, we 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 had a breast cancer awareness game this past year, and it was amazing. We had a it was, I believe, it was almost six thousand eight hundred to almost seven thousand people total were at the arena, oh. and I didn't even. More than the Sabres game up here. Yeah, easy there. Yeah. Well, we're missing one part of our stadium too. We got the the flat wall near the uh, near the one end. So, uh, wow. yeah, but we, we got we got a crazy amount of fans. I didn't even realize it. I was actually starting that game with my line. I went out there and I remember I was on the line. And I just kind of looked around. And I was like, you know, I normally, you know, where there's some like empty spots and some like gas between fans is mm. all filled. And it was, it was crazy. I remember we ended up scoring the first goal of that game and it's loudest I've heard of the rink in a while. And it, it was, it was, you know, it's something that we, it, it really is a, a privilege to play in front of those fans and, you know, being able to, just do anything in front of them, especially, you know, having their support at your back, you know, seeing them at team events, fan club meetings, even just outside of town, whether they recognize you or they ask you to play or they see something you're wearing. It's, you yeah. know, it, it, it keeps you professional, but it keeps you humble in a way. So it's a good mix. Do you guys get, um, you know, much interaction with some of the, some of the alums from the program there in Erie? I mean, there's obviously, you know, some big name NHL guys that have come through there. I mean, recently, obviously McDavid, the Brinkett, those kind of guys. But I mean, do you guys get in contact with any of the, uh, the old players from the program and do they offer you guys any advice? Um, we had, uh, I, I know there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of guys who are, you know, big NHL names now. And, you know, you got older vets like Mike Ruff and, uh, guys like that who run the program and, uh, in terms of like the championship team, I feel like a lot of their imprint on the Erie community and the Erie culture, uh, the Otters culture, was kind of more of something that where they, it, it was something without words. It was something they more you know showed through their play on the ice and you know how efficient they were. And you know, for example, you know, you, 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 just to take it as a hypothetical example, you look at a guy like Debrinket, who obviously is a smaller guy. He's, you know, not, not crazy physically imposing, but guy knows how to put the puck in the net and he can work, he can work his tail off to get the puck in the back of the net no matter what. 
And, you know, that leaves a lasting impression on guys who come into this, into this program, you know, and, you know, you get guys like bigger guys, like the Radish brothers are both big names, Neary, uh, Strom, you know, Sorelli, Fogel, guys like that, who may have only played one or two years, but have had such a huge impact on the culture around us, surrounding the team. Um, in terms of coming back, I know I've talked to a couple of alumni who were, you know, they want to help out any way they can at the event and uh, things like that. But um, yeah, I'd say most of their impact from a uh, advice standpoint and a, you know, leadership standpoint, motivational comes from, you know, just the stories you hear, the video you watch, the, you know, our whole deck room, our, our whole, our whole locker room is decorated with, uh, you know, like banners, you know, championship team photos, uh, quotes on the wall from that team. And it's, it's, it's good. You hear all the stories about the coaches who coached that team. Like that team was so tightly knit. They, no one had an ego. Everyone played their role. Everyone knew their role. You know, none, none, none of the, none of the rookies were getting too high. None of the vets were, you know, trying to rag on anybody. None of them were, you know, egoing anybody. It was it's just perfect mix of a team and they have their, their, their hearts in the right places and they were willing to work, work for the results. So definitely something that you look up to whenever you come inside the locker room or, you know, you're a part of the team. Absolutely. That's awesome. That's great. Great stuff, man. One, one last question before we kind of plug the tournament one more time, your socials, everything like that. One lesson, one piece of advice, anything like that, that has taught you the most in your career so far. You got anything off the top of your head? If I had to, if I had to give anybody advice, um, hypothetically, if you look at your younger self, I mean, you can you can say don't give up and you know try your hardest all you want, but uh, I'd say for advice, <laughs> that's a good question. So I'd I say for the end. No matter what, in my opinion, absolutely no matter what. Never be afraid of change. The one thing in your life that is a constant is change. And you have that when, uh, you know, 13-year-old kid from Charlotte, North Carolina, who's seen more farms than skyscrapers, goes to one of the biggest cities in the world to play junior hockey. You get guys on my team who are from Toronto and Mississauga and stuff, seeing big towering skyscrapers most of their life in large cities, large city centers coming to Erie where it's a smaller town, but the culture is big here and you can't be afraid to change, whether that be as a player, whether that be your mentality, whether it be physically your diet, anything, you can't be afraid to change because the second you fear changing and you don't want to make yourself better, you lose the ability to become better you lose the ability to adapt and overcome because no one, there's no single hockey player who's been the same player that they were since they were 15 years old or 14 years old. And they made it to the NHL. Man. They changed how they shot. They changed how they slept. They changed how they carried themselves. They changed how they talk to their teammates, everything, little things like that go miles. So that's, that's one thing I've learned. Awesome, man. That's a, that's a great last one. That's going to be a good quote for us to, to post on the socials for advertising the episode. That's a great one. Glad I, glad I remembered to ask you that. But, I mean, one more time, man, uh, 
you know, plug the tournament, the dates, you know, where people can find information on it and everything like that. We'll be sure to tag you and all that stuff, but I want you to say it and all that. So, yeah, so it's the uh, PBHH Invitational. Uh, the actual dates will be taking place on uh, June 13th to, um, I'm sorry, June 1st to June 13th. It'll be at the Erie Bank Sports Parks in Erie, Pennsylvania. Uh, fans will be allowed. The website is pbhhinvitational.com. We have an Instagram if you just look up PBHH Invitational. And uh, all the information can be found on the website in the, uh, in the uh, distributed emails that we have and, you know, the coming Instagram and Twitter posts. So, so you know, obviously you guys can repost a good amount. So, you know, keep up with you guys, keep up with us, and uh, hopefully we can get this thing going as big as we can. So, yeah. Awesome, Brandon. Like, I really appreciate you joining us. This was a great episode. I think people are really going to dig into it and a lot of great stuff to take from it. Glad we could do it on such short notice. Thanks so much for joining us. Sounds good. Thank you for having me on. Good luck to, in the tournament, man, and we'll have to do it again sometime. Appreciate it, bro. Sounds good. Let me know. Appreciate you coming on, Brandon.